Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast. Uh, the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast was created um, to use as a resource for the food and beverage industries because our goal is to break down the stigmas that are associated with mental health, give employers the tools that they need to support their employees, but most importantly, give the employees the tools that they need to better advocate for themselves and their well-being within this community. So, episode two, super excited. Hello, Christina. Hello, Matt. How are we doing today? Hey, Matt. Yeah, doing well. <laughs> we have a special guest today. Her name is Nadine. We'll introduce her in just a little bit, but... Um, we're just gonna dive right in it today. Today is uh, election day. That's the day we're recording this episode. So a um, lot of things happening today. And since we recorded our last episode, which was one week ago, a lot has changed in Chicago already. Shocking. So um, what, what's, it, what's going on over there, Matt Cole? What's happening? Uh, well, you know, we're not doing indoor dining anymore, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, is, is a weird thing in getting ready for winter because outdoor dining is not really a thing right now either. Uh, so restaurants are kind of back to square one, relying on delivery sales to keep their employees employed. Um, and I think that we're about to see a lot of interesting uh, attempts at like continuing outdoor dining in chicago so I'm, I'm getting ready to see a bunch of tents set up outside of restaurants in the, in the mm -hmm. next coming weeks mm -hmm. what about you veltry what's going on with you yeah so same indoor dining is closed um this last week was considerably cold but uh, i guess that this coming week is supposed to be in the 60s so trying to squeeze all of the dining in that we can get while the weather is still good and then trying to figure out what the next plan is if takeout will sustain businesses or if i don't know <laughs> yeah i guess there's gonna be tense but they don't stay super warm either <laughs> yeah yeah, I think we're in the same boat as well. I mean, we're a tavern that has like moved its business model out to the streets, literally, and um, <laughs> and uh, it, it will be 60 degrees next week. So we are going back on the patio, but um, yep. without indoor dining and good weather, um, that's kind of detrimental to our business model. So I think that this episode is coming at a great time for multiple <laughs> reasons, um, because we do know that the weather in Chicago is really, um, uh, let's say temperamental. So this week it will be 60 degrees, maybe uh, the following week it will be snowing. So the future of our um, industry moving into the winter looks kind of bleak um, and regardless of when it happens I think we're gonna have a lot of friends and family and folks out there that will be furloughed and hibernate for the winter so with um, hibernation and furloughing comes a whole lot of questions regarding our health insurance and this is very important especially in the middle of a pandemic 
because we need health insurance, we need to stay safe, and also because we have open enrollment going on for the next month and a half. So people who don't have health insurance, now is the perfect time to look into it. Um, so we thought it would be very appropriate to talk all things um, health insurance and get some of these questions answered. Um, I know that I'm uh, personally looking to get a couple questions answered as well because I feel like health insurance is the wild west. So it's nice to have um, an expert out there to kind of guide us through this process. So I would like to introduce Nadine. Nadine, how are you doing today? Hello, I am good. Very anxious with election day, but aside from that, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> well, actually, before we dive into this health insurance talk, what is everybody doing with the rest of their day to stay preoccupied since it is election day? I've got to work. Do? Oh, well, that's good. That's always a nice welcome distraction. Yeah, yeah keep, keep me from doom scrolling for a while. Yeah, that's what are you doing, Nadine? Um, we are decorating for Christmas. I know people think Ooh. it's <laughs> Christmas. No, I mean, okay, whatever, as whatever makes you happy, you know. I just feel like you could decorate for Christmas in September if you want, like, as long as that brings you joy, especially on a day like today. Like, why not? Yeah, I proposed Christmas in July, but nobody here went for it. <laughs> <laughs> Valtry, what are you up to for the rest of your day? Um, I'm just kind of laying low, you know, taking naps. Maybe I'll take my dog for a long walk. Yeah, That's and then good. gonna watch everything unfold later. I like don't even know if I should admit this, but I'm going to because fuck it. Um, I am a stress cooker and like I like to also eat my feelings and I'm also um nervous about not being able to go home for the holidays and um making Thanksgiving for the first time so today I'm doing a practice Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> I have a turkey in the oven and <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm making all the sides and I was like, you know what? I think this will be a welcome distraction and then me and my roommates and my partner can just eat our feelings later. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note, um, everybody vote. I hope you voted because by the time you'll be listening to this, uh, the election will be over. So I hope that you guys voted and we're probably all just going to be waiting for results for a while. So um keep that in mind and try to stay uh clear and one with your mental energy and uh get off social media that will help that will <laughs> always help um but you know what else helps health insurance and getting that stress <laughs> off of your back um and knowing that you are okay and safe uh within this time of um, a health crisis so nadine we got a lot of questions um, so we're going to try to get through all of them. And then, um, Nadine also put together this sheet that explains everything and goes into more detail about what we will be discussing this evening. Um, those resources will be able to be found on our website and they will also be attached to this video. So you'll be able to cl click the link in the description and go straight to the page that we're referring to. So we're going to dive right into it. All right. Health insurance. What is the difference between a PPO policy and an HMO policy? 
Okay. So the main difference between PPOs and HMOs is your flexibility, right? So with a PPO plan, you have a larger network of providers and facilities that you can see, and you are more in control of your healthcare and coordinating it. Um, so with PPO plans, you're not required to have a primary care provider. Um, typically PPO plans offer you out of network benefits. So if you're going somewhere that is considered out of network, there's no contract with that provider, that facility, you'll have some benefits. It'll be higher to you, but you'll have some type of coverage if you're going out of network. Um, and referrals aren't required. With an HMO plan, typically the premiums are lower. Um, you are required to have a primary care provider that is through your insurance. So for example, if you choose a Blue Cross HMO plan, you would have to pick what they call an IPA site, which is your medical home. Um, for example, you could pick Advocate. Through Advocate, you'd have to pick a primary care that participates in that plan. There aren't a ton that participate in that plan. Um, so you are more limited on your primary care provider and you don't typically have any out of network benefits. So if you're choosing to go out of network, you would be self pay. So you'd be completely financially responsible for all those bills, no coverage with your insurance. Um, and then referrals are required. I think a big misconception is that referrals are super hard to get. It is something that it just adds a little bit more work in your process of with the PPO plan, you would just schedule with a specialist. You wouldn't need to get um, a referral from your PCP. So it's kind of just adding an extra step, but the plans are kind of similar as long as you have that referral. Um, big difference is that with the PPO plan, you coordinate your care. With an HMO plan, your primary care provider is coordinating your care because you rely on those referrals. They're all Go ahead. Um, not many people know of this. It's not always offered, but there is a hybrid plan that's in between a PPO and an HMO. It's called an EPO. Um, that's an exclusive provider organization. and it kind of just pulls between a PPO and HMO. The premiums for an EPO is more expensive than an HMO, less than a PPO. Um, but with an EPO, you're not required to have referrals typically. So it's kind of just like an in-between. If you don't want to do PPO, you don't want to do HMO. If that's offered to you, that's kind of a mix between the two. Okay, so the breakdown, and correct me if I'm wrong, so a PPO sounds like you have a larger network and it's a more convenient because you don't need referrals. An yeah. HMO is going to be cheaper, but you are going to need a primary care physician, and then that primary care physician then needs to refer you if you need any specialty care. And then an EPO is right in the middle where we're going to pay a little more than HMO, a little less than PPO, but the referral's not required, so it feels like the hassle of the HMO has now disappeared and you have uh, more of the PPO network of what you were talking about, right? Yeah, and with the EPOs, um, they also kind of follow the way that HMOs are, where you wouldn't have out-of-network benefits, so you'd have to be vigilant about going to a place that does accept your insurance. So it sounds like 
if you're a planner and uh, you don't mind uh, taking a couple extra steps, that HMO would be the move. But if you tend to live spontaneously and want to just get it done immediately or maybe wait until it gets too bad and then you're forced to go, uh, a yes. PPO might be the move then. Yeah. And I always tell people, a lot of people just kind of assume that HMO plans are worse, but that's not necessarily the case. I think there's no right or wrong answer between getting a PPO, HMO, EPO, limited benefit plan. I mean, there's hundreds of plans you could choose from. Um, it's really dependent on your situation. Like if you're a person who doesn't typically go to the doctor or you're in like relatively good health, you're not going to be seeing the doctor that much then you may not need to pay the astronomical um, premiums that PPOs have just so that you can go see the doctor like once a year, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we had somebody write in asking, wanting us to ask you if they have an HMO plan, um, but they have to continuously get referrals and that their mental health care is not covered under their HMO plan, do you feel like it would be better for this person and cheaper? She, she wanted to know, do you think it would be, it would make more financial sense for her to maybe go to an EPO or a PPO? So maybe some of these things would be covered so she's not paying so much out of pocket? Yeah, so it could. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I know it's 2020 and it's cover this, but some PPO plans may not even offer you um, behavioral health benefits. It's really important to always check with your, um, if you're going through your employer to check with your benefits coordinator, if you don't have one, um, I believe it would be management that would know, but always ask what your benefits are because you may switch into a PPO and have no mental health benefits, or you may have it where they're only covering you for a certain amount of visits per year. And if that doesn't make sense for how often you see a therapist or you, you know, want to use these benefits, it may be more expensive to you to go into the PPO because you're only getting a certain amount of visits covered per calendar year or per policy year, depending on how they set it up. Um, and then you're still going to have to pay for the visits that aren't covered. I know some patients I see have additional insurance specifically for their um, behavioral health. So I know like Magellan is one. They have, it's a company specifically for mental health benefits. So some patients do get like that supplemental insurance and some patients also just, you know, pay out of pocket and go to like lower cost clinics. Yeah. So for industry folks out there, if you don't actually know who is in charge of selecting your insurance benefits or um, who can point you into the right direction. Um, it's typically your human relations uh, HR department that would be able to one, discuss your insurance plans and your benefits and uh, what's actually included with those. And then say you do not have health insurance, um, you can reach out to mental health professionals and ask them to see you on a sliding scale. That is something that typically has to be agreed upon before your first visit. 
um, or at least acknowledge. So if that is something that you plan on seeking, just be aware. But typically, um, if there is, if the professional is not accepting new patients, they will usually have a network of people that they can uh, refer you to. And especially if you ask for sliding scale specifically, um, there should be a way of getting that referral. And then if you're local or in Chicago, we have that available to you on the website. Um, I know that Christina Veltri had a really good question um, regarding health insurance. Do you want to ask Nadine what you were asking me? Um, yeah, so I guess my question is like kind of directly relates to what we were just talking about is like how do you navigate if you, your health insurance doesn't cover uh, mental health or behavioral health? Um, and like, are there loopholes? I guess that it would be like a supplemental um, insurance, but I also feel like, I mean, after hearing this small bit of this conversation, like, I am not even sure if my employers would know if there's behavioral health or if anybody would feel comfortable enough asking, um, like in the restaurant industry, like, I mean, I'm pretty open about my mental health space, but like, I know it's a weird thing that when you're like, you know, in your 90 day period, like just about to get health insurance and then being like, Hey, so can I have therapy? <laughs> I mean, it's important though. We we talk about advocating for yourself, and I think that's something that should happen more often. Yeah. Like, yeah, if I, people are offering this as a benefit, then why are you not being transparent about what these benefits include? I think that's a good question. So, if you're enrolled in a plan, um, and you're not getting the information you need from your HR, your benefits coordinator. It is your plan, and I think a lot of people I maybe are scared to talk to their insurance or you know just don't know how to navigate it, but you are completely like your benefits are completely available to you. So if you're not getting that information from HR, you can call your plan directly and ask for your benefits and an explanation of your benefits. Um, I know because I talk to insurances all the time, they can be very like jargony and just not make any sense. Um, but I don't think any question is stupid. And if you have to ask it in different ways and just ask them to like, I would say dumb it down for me because they do use a lot of terms that if you don't really work with insurance, you may not know. Um, mm -hmm. so if you're getting that information from work, I think go straight to the source and just ask your insurance because you're entitled to your benefits. And that way, like you said earlier, Christina, if somebody feels uncomfortable or they, they don't want to bring that up, especially if they're new in employment, this can at least give you like a shield of um, like at least anonymous inquiries that you can see what you're working with. It's like my uh, job, we switched insurance policies last year and our mental health care coverage is terrible now. It used to be like, okay, and now it's not good at all. So something that I wanted to ask is like, and to like kind of jump on Christina's 
um, question is say the mental health coverage is minimal, if so any, what else could I do? Like I know that they have like AFLAC and like these other things that like take care of what your insurance doesn't. Like, is that an option? Like should you look for kind of like a supplemental? Because sometimes therapy could cost like 150 like $150 a session and like who can afford that right now? So like what are other options that people could do to maybe make this more affordable? Um, so I would say like those supplemental insurances, the only thing I would say is if you do something like AFLAC where they pick up what insurance doesn't, um, I always would say check with the provider on what they accept because you might like enroll into a plan that that like mental health provider or even just any provider doesn't actually accept. So you're enrolling into a plan that, you know, isn't really going to be of use to you because you're not actually like in that network or that that's not something they accept. Um, I also think like always asking for financial assistance or if they have like package pricing, because some of that stuff is not advertised. I know like where I work, we do have financial assistance, even for patients who are in network, but they just can't afford their portion of that responsibility. If they're eligible for financial assistance, they can get help. Um, so I think if you're going somewhere to ask what like payment plans they offer and what assistance that's available to you. You may not always be eligible for it, but I don't think that like it hurts to ask because you could end up being eligible in a portion of your bill that you are not actually covering yourself. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's also, I know um, if you go to see like a student or um, not an actual provider yet, they're kind of in training they do have facilities that that's a lot cheaper to you because you're not actually seeing a provider. You're seeing someone in training. So if you do have to self pay for it, that's kind of a cheaper option to do to see, you know, someone who's not officially like licensed, but working towards it. If you're comfortable with that, I know some people may not be. Um, I guess one other question that I have is like, so I definitely fall more into that group of like convenience. So I've always had a PPO because, or like in the short period of time that I've had health insurance, I was like, PPO seems much easier. Um, and I think the main reason for that is that I don't have a general practitioner. So I guess like what would be some tips of like finding a general practitioner, like, I think that one thing that I've fallen into is like the times that I've had to go to the doctor, I'm like, Oh, I'll just make an appointment wherever I can. And then I'm like, but it took me like 40 minutes to get there. So like, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back again. Yeah. Um, I think with like general practitioners, you'd want to want to make sure that they're accepting patients. Um, because surprisingly right now, not a lot of practitioners are accepting patients. Um, I feel like on every, especially for bigger organizations, they have each provider listed out for you and they have like reviews, you know, if they're accepting new patients, what insurances they accept. So I feel like if you're not getting through to an actual person, because most places have 
um, call centers where you can talk through with an actual person. Um, a lot of stuff is online. Even if you just put in your location and you're just looking for a PCP, that they're going to have all that information for you. Um, but in terms of picking one, again, I don't know if I stated this prior, but your insurance should be able to give you a list of practitioners in your area that accept your insurance. Um, sometimes that's not correct. So I always let patients know, check with your insurance, but also check with that facility and that provider, because it may be a situation where they're telling you, you can go and you can see anybody, but really the facility doesn't accept your insurance. So it might be on their side of it. They're not accepting your insurance, but your insurance is telling you, you can go anywhere. So mm -hmm. you do get conflicting answers. Um, so I would just say like when you're looking for a primary care provider, you can always go through your insurance and have them give you a list of people in your area and then just, you know, kind of do the double check and call that facility to make sure it's accepted. If that answers your question. Yeah, that does. I mean, I think that what I'm starting to realize is that like convenience is so important. Like even if you are a planner, like you don't want to make a whole trip just to get a referral to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I know that we haven't gotten to this place yet, but with the possibility of many businesses like closing and furloughing, um, do businesses have options like of, I don't know. I, I don't know like what the right question is for this, but like, it, are there options for insurance to still be provided to furloughed employees at like a discounted rate because businesses have like such a larger, like since they're, they have like so much insurance. <laughs> I don't know how like, to ask this question properly. <laughs> before, before you guys get into that, I've, I've got to head out to work. Um, but if you guys get a chance today to talk maybe about open enrollment, uh, cause I know a lot of young line cooks kind of look at insurance as an untenable goal, uh, something that's going to take a large portion of their paycheck away or something like that. So they kind of wait on, um, someone from work to inform them about their ability to enroll in health insurance. And I don't think a lot of people pay attention to an open enrollment period. Uh, mm -hmm. and also, uh, what, el what makes them eligible for like a special enrollment period. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I got to get out of here. Uh, thank you so much, Nadine. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, Matt. Bye. Bye. Okay. Can you remind me what the question was before you left? Um, so it was basically like, is there a way that businesses can provide insurance during this time or like option for insurance during this time to employees that have been furloughed because they have like a discounted rate for having more you know, like, I, I mean, I assume that, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't think that they do. Um, and I think that because when an employee is furloughed or terminated, um, they have the option of COBRA, which I know is very confusing. Um, essentially what COBRA is, it is allows you to keep that insurance that you had with your employer. So what they call group benefits, um, even though you're no longer with that group. And that means that you're no longer getting your insurance through, just to keep it simple, if you worked for like Target. Um, if you no longer work for Target, 
you have the option of COBRA. Target is no longer going to be administering your insurance. It's going to go through a COBRA administrator. So you're still going to have those group, group benefits, but it's not going to have anything to do with your old employer. And the reason why it's so expensive is because your employer is no longer paying for a portion of your plan. So you're keeping those group, group benefits, but you are responsible for the entirety of your plan, which is why going from paying it while you're an employee to going through COBRA when you're furloughed or you know, you've lost your job, that's why it's so much more expensive because you're no longer getting that cost sharing support from your employer. So I don't think they have the option of like paying for a portion of it because you no longer, um, you're no longer a part of that group, if that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that because I genuinely had no idea what that meant. So thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I've personally like wrote so many emails, like we might have to switch you to Cobra, like not even knowing what that meant. So thank you for that. Um, I think that Matt asked some good questions before he wanted to leave. And that's like something that I wanted to focus on as well. It's like, Nadine, do you mind explaining like what is open enrollment? Like what does that mean? And like how does someone participate, I guess, for lack of better terms, in open enrollment? Yeah, so open enrollment, I believe it was from it's from November 1st to December I know it's definitely till December 15th mm -hmm. that be a period of time where you can make changes to your plan or get enrolled in a plan um super important to if you want health insurance to make sure you're getting on top of it during those periods because when open enrollment closes um you can't purchase insurance so it's kind of like It's the time where you, I don't know how to put this, um, you have to make sure that you're, wherever you're kind of planning to go in the future, if you know like you have a surgery coming up or anything like that, um, during that time, call those facilities, see what insurances they're accepting for the next year. If they can't give you that, see at least to get an idea of what they're accepting for that year to see if you're gonna be in network for the year following. Um, so open enrollment, you can change if you have like a plan through the Affordable Care Act, so Obamacare, or if you're trying to purchase private insurance, that's when you would purchase those plans. Um, a good thing to note, because I know a lot of people are kind of like struggling right now with COVID and everything, with the Affordable Care Act, you can be eligible for like government subsidies. So a lot of those plans that are offered um, depending on your income or if you are eligible for those subsidies, they base your premiums off of your income. So, you know, I might not be paying something that you would be paying because it's really all dependent on what you can afford. Um, a lot of those companies did go under over the past years because it was harder to like keep up with being able to offer people health insurance at such a low rate, depending on their income. Those plans, I will say, if you're going through um, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, a lot of those plans are limited. So when you are looking to choose for a plan, get a benefit breakdown because I've seen a lot of 
people, they go through open enrollment, they select a plan, it's low premiums, that's great, but it turns out it's what's called a limited benefit plan, and you could be covered for only three visits a year at $75, and then after that, it's completely on you. So when you're shopping for those plans, make sure you know the benefits offered and not just the premiums that you're paying each month. Because it seems like the plans that have the lowest premiums are definitely going to take the most planning, the most um, like running around, the most strategy. And then you're also probably going to need a primary care physician, which you said earlier is challenging because a lot of them aren't accepting patients. Mm -hmm. So although the premiums may be low, the efforts will be high. Yeah. And with like lower premiums, you're typically paying a higher deductible. Okay. So it's not always beneficial to go with a lower premium if you're going to be paying a higher deductible and deductibles. That's the amount that you'd have to meet before your insurance starts cost sharing with you. Um, and then to follow up on Matt's second question, what are some times of which somebody could acquire health insurance outside of open enrollment? Like, is that only on a new hire basis or how else could that happen? So there is quite a lot and I want to pull that up, but I know just offhand, um, if you turn 26, you become eligible. It's what they call like a qualifying life event. So if you have a baby, um, if you, get divorced, if you lose your job, um, I think, and then if you go on disability, but I want to pull up, it's like a very long list, but those are, I think, the key ones. So losing your job could qualify you to get health insurance? A qualifying life event, yep. Oh, well, that's good. That's like a nice, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's yeah. nice. Good news for health. everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, okay, so say, um, say like I'm a young, um, I'm a young, I'm not really that old, but like say I'm 22 years old, um, I don't make a whole lot of money, um, oh, actually no, because I would still be on my parents' health insurance. Okay, so say I'm young, I don't make a lot of money, and I'm trying to do the right thing because I don't want to get uh, fined on my taxes, and I would like health insurance in this time. So what would you recommend for me to do? Like what kind of plan? Would you suggest maybe like an EPO or um, like, because I'm the type of person who doesn't ever go to the doctor until things get like really out of control and like I should have went to the doctor months ago or, um, but I am the type of person who always needs health insurance. So for me, like after hearing you talk, I feel like I'm paying too much on my PPO to like never use it. So yeah. should I maybe like move to like an EPO? Cause it might be a little bit cheaper. Like what do you recommend for like hospitality folks who may not have the luxury of health insurance being offered through their uh, job? what kind of like what what resources can i look at like where should i start i guess 
Um, I, I've always thought the EPO is a really great option because it's, it kind of like cuts the hassle of your HMO plans with giving you more flexibility the way that PPOs work. So I've always really liked that hybrid. Um, there are, like I said, limited benefit plans um, that give you some benefits, but they're very like limited on what they do and don't cover. So if you're kind of like, if you're in good health, and you're not making a lot, those limited benefit plans are affordable. Um, but it, it, again, it really depends on like your, your state of health. If you go to the doctor often, um, a PPO might be more affordable to you in the long run because typically PPOs have co-pays for your visits. So you're paying a higher premium but, um, with a lower deductible, but you're only paying like $30 copay for your visit, not to meet a deductible before your insurance gives you coverage. And right. EPO plans typically have copays as well. All right, well, that's good to know. Well, Nadine, I wanted to say thank you so much for giving us this breakdown. I know that this all is a pretty confusing time for everyone. Um, so it was really nice to kind of get that laid out in layman's terms for us to figure out, especially with open enrollment um, happening. And if you don't mind, um, I'm just going to put my email address in the description. So if anybody has any questions or wants to inquire with you further, um, I'll pass that along to you, but um, thank you so much for your time. I know that this is what you do for a living, um, and it's just really, it's really nice to get some clarity um, on this subject that really tends to feel like a foreign language <laughs> more, more often than not. So I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for being with us this evening. Um, yeah. It's really appreciated. Absolutely. And last thing to say, I know it's very confusing. I just think if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask them, whether it's your healthcare provider, your insurance. I know a lot of patients don't feel comfortable asking the questions, but they truly are beneficial. Ask them until you're blue in the face, until you get the answer that you have or you need, um, because it's your healthcare and you should be in charge of it. Yes. Yes, you yeah. should. <laughs> I, okay, so I have one more question and then we'll end on this note. So when you were talking about asking for financial assistance, do you think it is smarter for people to ask for financial assistance when they are inquiring for their initial visit? Or do you think it, you wait until the bill comes and then you talk to billing about financial assistance? What, what's the best strategy for that? Yeah, so each place is different. Um, so some places, if you just ask right off the bat, you might be able to apply. Um, I know certain like hospitals and facilities, you can apply for financial assistance for all of your care. So even moving forward, like you can choose, I know Northwestern, they do 75% financial assistance or 100%, just really, or you may not even be eligible. You have to kind of meet the federal poverty line um, and like other things that they ask for. I would say apply. If you're not eligible, that's, you know, not great. But if you are, you could potentially have 75% or 100% of your care covered at no expense to you. Um, so I think always ask, ask them when you can apply, if you're eligible, 
And if they say just apply and find out, I would say 100% just apply and find out because you could potentially have all of your care covered, you know, as long as you meet that qualification, that's great. That's great advice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. It was great to see you guys. It was great to see you too. Um, I hope you both take care of yourself for the rest of the day. Um, enjoy it. Get outside, breathe some fresh air. Um, and then um, I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I hope you learned something about healthcare and your health insurance benefits this evening. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on our website. And as always, please remember to please hustle responsibly. Thank you, everyone. Bye.